Did you know that olive oil is at its peak of flavor and nutrition right after it's fresh pressed at harvest time? That's why my favorite olive oil is delivered to me direct from the latest harvest, thanks to the Fresh Pressed Olive Oil Club. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and as a listener of Intelligent Medicine, you can try a bottle of their finest artisanal olive oil, normally $39, for just $1 with no obligation to buy anything else. I've been enjoying these harvest fresh olive oils for years. They are far and away the brightest, most lively, and flavorful olive oils I've ever tasted. Their antioxidants and polyphenols are off the charts because they're fresh from the harvest. They make store-bought olive oils taste dull and flat by comparison. Taste for yourself. Check out this generous trial offer and get your $39 bottle for a buck with no obligation to buy anything else. Visit MyFavoriteOliveOil.com. In my case, it truly is. MyFavoriteOliveOil.com. MyFavoriteOliveOil.com. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and today we're going to talk all about uh, prostate problems uh, with... um, a physician colleague of mine who I really think is the go-to guy when it comes to these kinds of issues. And <clears throat> a little background on how this podcast came to be. Um, I, I keep getting these calls from men who ask me to offer them an alternative to biopsy if they have an elevated PSA. The thought is that they might have prostate cancer, uh, but uh, it needs to be checked out. Uh, some urologists are quick to pull the trigger on a biopsy, but a biopsy is not inconsequential. It's painful, uh, often unnecessary. Uh, and so uh, I sent an email to my good colleague, Dr. Aaron Katz, who's a chairman of urology at NYU Winthrop uh, Hospital, uh, who also practices uh, in New York City, has offices in Long Island and New York. And uh, he's the go-to guy on questions like that. And he said, well, Ron, why don't we just do a podcast on that subject? So here we go. It's a pleasure having you on board, Aaron. Welcome. Well, thanks. It's great to be back with you uh, today, Ron, and I, I greatly appreciate always the invitation to come on and talk with you, reconnect with you, and uh, also you know educate the, the listeners out there because, you know, as you mentioned, it, it is a confusing time, and um, some physicians are, I don't know if I like the term trigger happy, but, but I guess uh, people are... Uh, you know, physicians do want to do biopsies uh, for for several reasons, I guess, and uh, you certainly don't want to miss someone that you know potentially could have uh, an actionable prostate cancer. And what we're learning now, and more and more, and hopefully we'll get into it during this podcast, is that not all prostate cancers are the same, and some can be watched, and and maybe you know never would need treatment, and shouldn't shouldn't even have a biopsy, but. You don't want to miss those that are actionable because, unfortunately, there are still many men uh, in this country that not only will develop prostate cancer, but will die of prostate cancer. So we want to make sure that in our screening techniques, whether it be a PSA or biopsy or what have you, that we're smarter about it and we're trying to just hone in and find those cancers that are uh, aggressive and that require action and can, in fact, um, if we intervene early, uh, prevent um, someone's mortality from this disease. It's a little bit like the dilemma with uh, mammograms. Mammograms now have achieved a great deal of uh, sensitivity, uh, but the question is, uh, are they perhaps too sensitive? Do they pick up uh, abnormalities 
that sometimes lead to unnecessary biopsies? Or do they even, in some cases, uh, pick up a diagnosis of cancer, the very cancer that wouldn't have ended up killing a woman? Uh, although it's hard to tell uh, from the get-go. It's a similar situation with uh, the PSA uh, and with prostate cancer screening. And I might also mention that uh, you come to this from a, a very uh, conservative standpoint. I mean conservative in a good way. You know, we tend to juxtapose conservative and progressive. I guess you're, you're, we could also call you progressive because you initiated something called active holistic surveillance, uh, which in the day was quite a daring thing, which is basically boils down to... Um, don't just stand there, do nothing. Well, not quite nothing, but intervene with lifestyle modification uh, in cancers that are deemed less dangerous and perhaps amenable to just observation. And now this is in vogue. This is actually, you know, sweeping the yeah. nation. It's becoming a real trend. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. And, you know, back in the early, uh, I guess, 1990s, when, when PSA started to be used in routine and everyone with an elevated PSA and got a biopsy and everyone with a biopsy that showed cancer, everyone either had radiation or, or surgery. And it became clear to me, and a lot of it was my experiences with you and, and, and learning about some of the work that you've done in alternative medicine and complementary medicine and, and seeking out and, and educating myself about a completely different world that I was uh, ever educated about, uh, the role of diet, lifestyle, herbal compounds, and and thought, you know, maybe there is a role for, for not treating everyone with prostate cancer, and that they're not all the same. And thankfully, through advances of uh, genetics, genomics, uh, DNA analysis, we're now able to analyze these cells uh, a lot more um, in depth and determine their biology. But before that even came about, you're right, I, I was, uh, you know, in the whole school or in the mindset of, let's see, rather than just watch and wait, but use some of the, uh, the dietary approaches, lifestyle approaches. And thankfully, we do have something, it's not perfect, but like the PSA, which once you're diagnosed with prostate cancer, can be a, a very very wonderful and, and unique marker for looking at the progression uh, of prostate cancer. Now, again, it's not perfect, and well, what is in medicine, right? It's not perfect, but it certainly can be used as a marker over time to give us some sense of how a particular man is doing with his cancer. And I've seen dramatic responses uh, on this uh, diet and lifestyle, this active holistic surveillance for men with low low risk or indolent prostate cancer that where the PSAs go down, the inflammation resolves, and uh, the patients can be spared, in the majority of cases, uh, radiation or, or surgery. And there are even studies now, uh, longer-term studies, because the strategy really hasn't been employed for very long, you know, maybe five, ten years at most, uh, mm -hmm. it's come into it's come into acceptance, but there are actually some long-term studies on some of the men who've undertaken this, uh, what was once thought to be kind of a daring strategy, uh, not having radical intervention for uh, something that biopsies show or that imaging shows is a not very extensive or aggressive cancer. What are those studies uh, telling us now? Well, the studies are showing, and, and you're right, a lot of them are coming out of the United States as well as in Canada, um, that if the patients are properly selected, the likelihood of a patient requiring an intervention uh, is is very low. It's not zero, 
There are still some patients that may need an intervention down the line. Um, but in the 10-year, 15-year data now that's being, you know, published, it looks like if the patients are properly selected, the likelihood of needing treatment is, is probably only 15, 10 to 15%. Hmm. And that is pretty much true in my own data set where I follow, you know, over 500 men now uh, on active holistic surveillance. But we're, we're again, it comes down to smarter medicine. You know, we have the, the smartphones, we have the, the iPhones, we have smart technologies. Everything is smart, 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 smart cars. And now uh, as we're being smarter about our way of analyzing patients. So once a patient has a PSA, does he need a biopsy? Well, we have genetic testing that we can do to determine whether or not that patient really does need um, a, a biopsy. We have uh, outstanding improvements in technology using MRI. Mm -hmm. And the MRI platforms using uh, these super sensitive magnets can look very closely. And I have to also, you know, I do work at NYU now and I have to, you know, plug my NYU radiology colleagues because they are the ones that really brought to the forefront these, uh, the ability to look not only outside the prostate, mm -hmm. but within the prostate and can grade the levels of, and areas of the prostate to determine if there is an actionable cancer there. And if there is, you can do what's called a fusion biopsy. So rather than doing a biopsy of, of just randomly sampling the, the prostate, you know, you can actually hone in on that specific area that looks concerning and targeted. And in fact, you know, I was talking to Mark Emberton, who runs a big program in London, who's one of the, the you know, great urologists there in London, who actually is also on the forefront of MRI technology. And, you know, they're now going to the point where if your MRI looks clean, no one's getting a biopsy. Mm, yeah. You know, now the question is, well, who's going to pay for all these MRIs? Well, that's certainly a different question. But if you look at some of the things that you mentioned, complications from biopsies, which do happen, although rare, but, you know, you can wind up with a septic patient and somebody goes into your I heard one patient who had, uh, she, he came, came home after a biopsy, went to the toilet, uh, and the toilet just filled up with blood. You know, he had a severe hemorrhage. Uh, rare. Yeah. Rare. Yeah, hopefully, but, but, you know, hopefully that, that uh, patient did well and mm -hmm. hopefully he wasn't on anticoagulants because mm -hmm. you do need to be very careful because you're, yeah. you know, you're puncturing the prostate. So, mm -hmm. uh, even on patients on aspirin and, you know, we see so many patients now on anticoagulation because of cardiac stents yep. and there, there are, you know, there's so many drugs and we have to be careful about that. That type of a situation, yes, it can happen. It's extraordinarily it's rare. It's more but, of a hypothetical. So we do need to be, yep. uh, yeah, but, you know, we, we do need to be smarter about it. So we have genetic testing. We have ultrasounds, mm -hmm. which can calculate very easily in the doctor's office the prostate size. And then from there, we can determine whether or not your PSA matches your size. If someone mm -hmm. comes in with a very large prostate, mm -hmm. yeah, their PSA is going to be high. Do they need a biopsy? Probably not. And so, you know, you sort of you adjust the PSA per the, the size. So, for example, if you have a yes. PSA of six, yes. but your prostate is double the size uh, of normal, that kind of equates to a PSA of, of three uh, based on a normal size prostate. Is that Roughly correct. That is exactly that is exactly correct. The, the, the concept is called PSA density, and, and that's absolutely right. Two guys that come into the office with the same PSA, and one man has a hundred gram prostate, and the other one has a twenty gram prostate. Well, the one with a hundred gram prostate, it's it's it's, it's a normal five PSA times the normal size. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. And then we've also found a lot from our research about you know what the normal PSAs are based upon your age. Um, and so uh, it, it really comes down mm -hmm. to again being um, you know taking the time 
We have newer forms of, of uh, PSA testing. There's something called the 4K test, which mm-hmm. has come out a few years ago, yeah, which heard is that really caught up. on. I actually listen to your radio program, uh, which, by the way, let's plug. Uh, every Sunday morning uh, in the tri-state area, New York, New Jersey, uh, Connecticut, I believe it's on uh, WABC radio. Yes. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm an early riser, and I... I listen very faithfully to your show. I just I learn a ton listening to your show. You may think, oh, you know, it's so early. It's Sunday morning. Nobody's listening. Believe me, I'm listening, and probably <laughs> a lot of people are. <laughs> Thank you. It's got to be a Thank labor of love because you do that show live. Yes, I do it live every Sunday. And there's a and podcast. I, can you I, can you tell people where to get a hold of that podcast? Well, they can go on to winthropurology.com, and you can check out the podcast, winthropurology.com, or you can go on to the wabcradio.com website, okay. and it's there as well. Good stuff. So anyway, so, we're talking about that yeah. 4K test. That sounds intriguing. Uh, where does that come in? Uh, that comes in when someone already comes in and they've had an elevated PSA, and that is another uh, blood test that will tell us uh, whether or not a man has an aggressive form of prostate cancer. It actually gives you the likelihood, um, the percentage, and it's based upon, it's called 4K because there's four subunits of the PSA and they analyze all of them uh, together. So it's, and it's an advance been, over the, what we co- used to call the fractionated PSA because we used to do that test. That, yes, that test has now been rendered obsolete by the 4K test? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, and it's uh, it's it's a new marker. It's been you know invented over a, a couple of years ago, and its diagnostic accuracy is quite high, and so it will tell you if you know you really need to have this biopsy or not. So, if, it, but it's only valid actually if the PSA is over four. So they'll only run it if okay. it's over four. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you can't just uh, screen everybody with that test. You have to do the PSA first, and then. Uh, and then, uh, if it's high, then you use that test to differentiate. That's correct. That's correct. So tell me more about this, the genetic it, test. The genetic test sounds intriguing. Is it based yes. on your genes or it's the genes uh, associated with cancer? Uh, it's associated, so it's a urine test. It's called mm-hmm. the PCA3 okay. uh, urine test, and it's a, um, a test that needs to be done after the doctor performs a prostate massage. So you would come in and you would have a prostate massage and then urinate. And the idea behind the prostate massage is that when the doctor pushes on the prostate, the cells in the prostate get pushed into the bladder, mm-hmm. and then you urinate them out. And then it will um, allow us to determine the level of the uh, there's a specific gene on chromosome three that is turned on or overexpressed in men that have hmm. prostate cancer. So okay. it's not a likelihood. It's not a test that's saying, well, you might develop it in the future. Mm-hmm. It's actually a test that will say whether or not you have prostate cancer now. It's confirmatory. Yes, right. it's confirmatory, and I really like the test a lot. I do it quite often. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very easy. It's obviously not invasive. You know, it's not invasive. It doesn't require radiation or anything like that. And um, it's, it's a quite easy test to do, and it's covered by all insurance carriers. So that's called the PCA3. So you have the... Standard PSA, you have the 4K, you have the PCA3, we've got MRI. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then, an ultrasound short of that, which is a relatively easy test, can be performed in office uh, you know, yes. right on the day of the visit. Easy, right yeah. there and then. And in mm-hmm. three minutes, you know, you can, I mean, just today, I mean, I don't know how many ultrasounds that I performed. And, you know, it's amazing because you see men that come in, and as you said at the earlier at the, at the top of the show, that a lot of men are going in and they're told, oh, you need a biopsy right away. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, men are anxious about it. They've heard oh, stories yeah. about biopsies. They're worried about cancer. Do they have it? And they're losing sleep. And then, 
you know, I see them as, a, you know, there's no reason for you to have a biopsy. Yep. No reason at all. But you do need to be followed, especially, and we need to be mindful about genetics, family history. Mm-hmm. You know, were you down at the World Trade Center? We see a lot of men mm-hmm. now, unfortunately, mm-hmm. that are coming back, you know, years and years later now, uh, you know, from 2001, from when the buildings went down and they were unfortunately exposed to the toxins and we see this in urology. We see kidney cancer, bladder yeah. cancer, and chemical exposure. Cancer. All, yeah. Yes. All of those um, are known to be directly related to being down there at the World Trade Center. We see a lot of men actually out here on Long Island that were veterans in Vietnam that were exposed to Agent Orange. Yep. Another known uh, toxic chemical and, and uh, men were exposed to during that time that is a known, you know, predisposing factor for prostate cancer. And of course, family history and then race. You know, you, we, you know, we, we do know, we still don't know the reason why, but African American men mm-hmm. clearly are, uh, diagnosed not only earlier, but with a more aggressive form of prostate cancer. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the PSA may not always be reliable. And, uh, so uh, in that scenario, you have to be, again, a little bit mindful. Yeah. Well, so, but more fundamentally, there has been some debate about screening with the PSA. And, you know, some people are sort of Luddites about it or, or nihilists. They say the PSA actually creates more problems than it solves. It uh, scares a lot of men. It creates unnecessary biopsies. Uh, it leads to unnecessary treatment in some cases for men whose prostate cancers might kill them at the age of 122. You know, uh, if you're uh, uh, older, uh, you can live with it and it won't, uh, you know, uh, it won't be your, your, your end game. So what do you say to that? That, that's, you know, some, some authoritative, well, uh, authoritative, uh, groups have said, they've, they've said, no, it's not, it's a superfluous test. Don't, don't do it routinely. Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, you have to go back in time to what, what it was like before we had the PSA. And actually, I was a resident back then, back in the 1980s, when before PSA came out. And I saw men that would come into the emergency room with, with back pain, with bone pain, with advanced prostate cancer, because we didn't have screening tests. We didn't have the PSA. And then mm-hmm. the PSA came out, and you're right. We weren't, we were screening everyone. We weren't being mindful. We were doing, at that time, a lot of open prostatectomy or, or high density, you know, high, high, do, high dose radiation and over treating so many men. And mm-hmm. then the whole, you know, and then what happened was the United States Preventative Task Force. The USP, USPSTF, the U, I think. Yeah. Correct. The United States Preventative Task Force came out and then you know, I believe it was in 2011 came out and said that PSA screening is a is a rating of a D, a D rating, meaning that no one should be screened because it doesn't help mm-hmm. anyone. Mm-hmm. So what happened? Doctors start stopped doing internists stopped doing PSA. But that's not very nuanced. It's PSA. sort of like an all or nothing approach, and you know. Exactly, and then so what do you think happened? Of course, so men started coming back with advanced prostate cancer, and now you know there was a big uprising, and, and we saw we were back to the pre PSA era. So now, you know, a couple of years ago, they re-looked at this, they re-looked at the data, and we're seeing, because what was happening was urologists were seeing all these patients that are coming in with a PSA now of 50, of 60. Mm-hmm. You can't cure these men, and now yeah. they're coming in with aggressive prostate cancer, and it, it was back in the day. So mm-hmm. the United States Preventative Task Force took another look at this, and then came up with some recommendations where they felt that certain, that men overall 
should be screened between the ages of 55 and 69 with a yearly screening. And then over 69, well, then it was a discussion between you and, and the, you know, the, the physician and the patient, a paired discussion. Is the patient healthy? Let's be, let's be real. If the patient is very sick, other yeah, comorbidities. For, for example, well, if you, know. you have very severe cardiovascular disease, uh, right, and you, you your your estimated survival is less than three to five years, uh, if you have another aggressive cancer in your body, you know, say you're suffering from Hodgkin's disease or something, you know, why go there, right? I think that's what they're exactly. saying. Exactly. Exactly. And they were right about that, you know. But then, you know, again, you have to take into account that we do see, and I'm sure you see as well, a lot of men that are in their 70s, that are physically active, that do take care of themselves, I that aspire are playing to be. tennis, playing yep. golf. Yep. Exactly. Uh, and, you know, and so should we not screen those men? I mean, we should. I think that we should because if they should have an actionable prostate cancer and we want to act and we decide to act on it, we could, in fact, save their life. And, 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 and the technology... The ability for us to eradicate cancer, whether it be, and I do a lot of focal cryotherapy. I've done that for years, and that freezing. has made big, yeah, freezing. And that's really caught on now because, again, because the MRIs are able to pick up these lesions, so we don't have to treat the whole process. You don't have to take the whole thing out. Yeah. We don't have to take the whole thing out. We don't have to radiate the whole it thing. Be, it can be so, very targeted to where the cancer is located. That's correct. And it, this whole, we're calling PGA, this partial gland ablation where we just freeze or, or, you know, eradicate one part of the prostate that has cancer, we can spare the rest of the prostate, which will also spare the patient excellent quality of life. Men will be able to have normal sexual function, normal ejaculation. And we're being, again, more mindful and targeted and giving, you know, specific therapy just for that individualized, individualized care. Uh, for the patient. So not everyone needs whole gland or, or the entire prostate removed or the entire prostate radiated. And, that, and that's been a, a big advance in my opinion, yeah. Say there is a diagnosis of prostate cancer. Uh, it has been found on biopsy that it's present. Uh, are there tests that can tell whether the prostate cancer has spread to other areas? Are there scans that yes. can light up areas where uh, yes. errant cells have started to form metastases? Yes. So there's two things um, in that realm. One is that when a man is diagnosed with prostate cancer, we can send the biopsy just before you want to determine whether it is spread or not, whether the, the, the disease is, is, in fact, aggressive. You can do genomic testing mm -hmm. on the biopsy. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to have another biopsy. Yeah. You can take that biopsy. We can run it in our lab and run it against 21 genes and come up with a new score. Because when you're diagnosed with prostate cancer, you're going to get something called Which a Gleason score. speaks to its aggressiveness and whether it's right. undifferentiated uh, and rampant or whether it's you know, just on the verge of becoming uh, dangerous. Yeah, exactly right. And so we have genomic analysis, and we can use that to help us which would determine whether or not someone really does have uh, an aggressive prostate cancer by this new score, and they run 21 genes against this in your, on your biopsy. Does it also suggest treatment your, strategies? Does it tell you? It's almost like, is it like a culture insensitivity you know, of, uh, of an infection? There is, where a you new there is a new blood test. It's called ARV7, mm -hmm. androgen receptor variant-7, mm. which is used for men with advanced prostate cancer where the cancer has spread and they have been treated and now they are relapsing mm -hmm. to determine whether or not they should get chemo or whether they should get more hormonal therapy. Mm -hmm. That's a very interesting advance and that's a new blood test. 
as the one of the well, first like a liquid biopsy that, almost you know which like, is to stage the the level and, and degree of cancer but also to determine which strategy might be most uh, successful yes exactly exactly it's, it's one of the first times where we're actually saying okay if you get, if you look positive on this test you shouldn't have uh, one treatment or the other and maybe you should have uh, you know an advanced prostate cancer we never used chemotherapy in the past but uh, now there's some some great evidence that some of the new chemotherapeutic agents may be very very beneficial and, and again this is for men that that have advanced prostate mm-hmm. cancer but just going back to your question yep about can you determine, um, you know, whether the cancer has spread? Uh, are there any scans, any special scans? Yes, and in fact, so in, traditionally we would use a CAT scan or a bone scan. Yep, and that's the old-fashioned thing. That's been done for, for decades. That's been done for, for decades. Um, there's a new scan. It's called Axumen, A-X-U-M-E-N, Axumen scan. There's a PET scan. It combines... Uh, and, and what they do is they inject you with a isotope that is um, labeled to an, a, uh, an amino acid that gets taken up in prostate mm-hmm. cells. Mm-hmm. And um, it's typically used for men that have a relapsed cancer. So mm-hmm. if you've been treated, whether whatever type of treatment you've had, and your PSA is rising, and you want to know where this cancer is, mm-hmm. because if PSA is rising, it does indicate that there's still activity of cancer cells mm-hmm. in your body. This scan can be done, and it's very, very accurate, and it's and it's been very helpful in picking so, up so in other words, if a you see a hot or a spot or something like that, if yeah. you see a hot spot on a on a bone scan, it it's, it it might be cancer, but it could also be an inflamed, uh, you know, joint. It, it's just a hot spot of oh, area yes. of inflammation, so you could get false positives. Uh, oh yes, and this test is more targeted specifically to see if cancer is spread to different parts of the body. That's interesting. That's correct. That's correct. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Uh, so, so let's pause now because we divide our podcast into two parts. This is most illuminating. I've learned a lot. Hopefully our listeners have learned a lot, particularly the guys out there who might be concerned about uh, issues like this. Um, but I got more questions. So, uh, can you stay with us, uh, Dr. Aaron Katz? Uh, I've got questions about, uh, prostate cancer, but we're going to talk a little bit about uh, testosterone in part two. Um, is it okay even after prostate cancer? There's some interesting new data on that. And also, uh, We'll talk a little bit about um, those natural libido enhancers. Do they really work? And more coming up on today's Intelligent Medicine podcast. The subject, men's health. We're focusing on the prostate with Dr. Aaron Katz, chairman of urology at NYU Winthrop Hospital. I'm Dr. Ronald Hopkins.